BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's going on? Welcome to Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. And before we get into it with me, by myself, on Valentine's Day, fine, let's talk about a little bit of business. What do you say? First things first, Broadbeck Ironworks, makers of the 2x72 grinder, among other things, they make grinders, grinder attachments, and all sorts of awesome parts for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. Uh, if you are a sculptor, if you're a woodworker, you're removing material, you want to get yourself involved with Broadbeck Ironworks. And if you go to broadbeckironworks.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK10, you're going to get 10% off of their grinders, their attachments, their parts, and even all their specials. And if you have a grinder, but you're just like, oh, I don't need a grinder, but I could use some of their parts, the attachments are retrofittable. You're, you're a clever person. You can figure it out. So definitely check out what's going on with them. Great American company. Great customer service. Broadback Ironworks. Next are my friends at Even Heat, manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Check out all their different types of uh, ovens, their kilns for heat treating knives, stainless, Damascus, for damascus steel, Anything you need heat treated, this is the one for you because it gets you right where you need to be. Go get yourself. Let me, here's a free tip. Go get yourself. They're all free. You're not paying. Just relax. Go get yourself Dr. Laren Thomas's must-have book, Knife Engineering, and you can get that at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, by the way. And he will have all the ranges of where you need to be heat treating your stuff. And depending on the hardness you want, depending on the steel you're using, you want to get in a very specific range. And the best way to do it is with an even heat. It ain't no better. If you're getting something hard on Valentine's Day, use an even heat. Or any day. You don't even have to be Valentine's Day to get something hard. You know what I'm saying? Get yourself one of the best in the best evenheat-kiln.com. Check it out. Next are my friends. Speaking of Dr. Laren Thomas, if you want to get Dr. Laren Thomas' must-have book, Knife Engineering, among other things, go to maritimeknifesupply.com, maritimeknifesupply.ca for all your knife-making needs. Belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat-treating ovens, 
and many, many more things. He's a knife maker. Lawrence is a knife maker, and he understands what you need because he needs the same stuff. So if he knows that you need it and he needs it, he's going to get it. Every time I talk about some a product or something like that, he'll shoot me a message while he's listening to Knife Talk or this, and he'll send me saying, I got that. Every time, I mean, it's like with clockwork, he's on it because he cares about the knife making business. He cares about the community. He's also very involved in the New England School of Metalwork. He does scholarships to the New England School of Metalwork. He's very involved. And you want to talk about a guy who's very involved in the company, uh, an organization, or uh, you want to talk, not either one of those, but if you want to talk about a guy who is enveloped in the knife making community, enveloped, ladies and gentlemen, he's enveloped. Go talk to Lawrence Lake over at Maritime Knife Supply. If you want to support someone who supports you, this is the guy to support. I got buy my belts from him. Uh, he just sent me a nice uh, package of belts. They're awesome. Threw some mints in there, a couple stickers. My, he's my guy. So go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And you're saying, Jeff, but you're in New York and he's in Canada. It came just as fast and it's just as good. And it's just it's just the same. I mean, he, he can do it. And if you're in Canada and you're not using Maritime Knife Supply and you're a knife maker... You're, you're, you're dumb. I mean, that's it. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's making it happen for people in Canada and the United States. MaritimeMaxSupply.com, all right? Next are my friends at Trojan Horse Forge. I owe Sam Evans a phone call. Sam, if you're listening, I owe you a phone call. If I don't give you a phone call, if you don't, if you hear this and I haven't given you a phone call, I am human garbage. That's where that's to be. So it's on me now. Really, Sam, I owe you a phone call, and it's Valentine's Day, and if I haven't given you a phone call before you hear this, I am human garbage. But you are not human garbage, nor is Jeff. You guys are the makers of the stable rail knife finishing vice over at Trojan Horse Forge. Vice is built in the heart of Texas. These guys make vices that will make your life easier when it comes to finishing your knives. When I take talk about finishing your knives, I'm talking about your hand sanding. It has a deck that bolts on. It's got rubber pads. It's great. It holds your knife perfectly. If you have an integral bolster, don't worry about that. If you if it's a curved blade, don't worry about that. If it's got a distal taper, don't worry about that. All you guys, you say to these questions to me, say, well, what about, what about? don't worry about that. Listen, go get yourself one of them stable rail knife finishing vices. And it's not like they're easy to get a hold of either. When they make them, they make them. And when they're gone, they're gone. And then they make another batch. It's a hot ticket item. Not to mention they're making stuff for the knife finishing vice. And I even forgot to tell you, you finish can sanding your, your blade and you put your handle on, you finish grinding it up and you got to finish it, hold it in the, hold it in the stable rail knife finishing vice and, and be in comfort. Don't, don't fuck around with two by fours. Are you nuts? Two by fours are not for you anymore. You got the stable rail knife finishing vice. Are you out of your mind? Have you lost your mind? What are you doing? Are you serious? Sorry, not bad. This is Valentine's Day. I don't know what the hell's going on with me. But go get yourself one of them uh, stable rail knife finishing vices at trojanhorseforge.com. And if you put in the promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off all that, all the T4, uh, T4 Sentinel oil, the handle press attachment, which fits onto your and fits onto your uh, stable rail knife finishing vices and allow you to get yourself squared away, get your, get your handle, get your, get your handle put up on that tang. You know what I'm saying? So definitely go check out your Trojan Horse Forge, uh, trojanhorseforge.com. Thank you once again. And Sam, I told you, if I don't, if you don't, if you he, if you haven't gotten a phone call from me before you've heard this, I am human garbage, okay? Just letting you know. I'm putting it out there. It's on me now. Next are my friends at Baker Forge 
bakerforgeandtool.com. That's Bakerforge and Tool on Instagram. My, I've gotten more messages about the uh, episode I had with Koi Baker. Well, a ton of them. Koi is the man, and the steel that he makes is amazing. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I was really cool hearing how they do it. It was cool how they built this great American. I mean, they're doing micromanu. I don't know if it's micro anymore. I was going to say micromanufacturing, but he's manufacturing. He's got dudes. He's got dudes. They're like, they're. You're talking about a company that's doing old school work, old school you know, grinders and power hammers and presses and rolling mills, and they're making products for the marketplace. And if you go to, and what kind of products you ask? Copper masks, coppice, copper my, bronze my, tiger my, all this stuff that's really amazing with pattern welded steel or Damascus, if you, whatever you want to call it, you got a core and then you have cladding and then you have a copper shim. And he told me on this podcast, they're going to start doing some new stuff. You got to listen to that episode. He dropped a bomb. He dropped a bomb on not of the other flea bag podcast that he may or may not go on. Not all the other dorks that he hangs out with on the, on different podcasts. He said it right here. He dropped a bomb. So go check out what's going on over at Baker Forge and Tool. Get yourself some of that ripple. Uh, the tiger my get yourself some of that bronze my get yourself some of that riptide i just use some of that riptide as dynamite stuff easy to work with annealed easy to cut on your shitty bandsaw get yourself squared away get a little razzle dazzle in your life if you're a stock removal guy this is the stuff for you for sure 100 i'm with you get yourself some of that baker forge go to bakerforge.com put in the promo code full blast get you 10 percent off and did i tell you what you should be etching it in did I have I mentioned the 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 product that you should be etching all your steel in? You should be you go gator piss, gator piss, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, I'm getting messages from people saying that their kids are starting talking about gator piss. They're asking what the hell's gator piss, and they're actually getting the urine out of alligators to get this. It, it, no, it's it's amazing etching, and this stuff is awesome. And look. The name is the name. He talks about the name on the product. You don't like the name? Don't worry about it. Not, I mean, it's not like, I mean, what are you going to do? Stuff is all. See, the, if the stuff sucked, if Gator Piss sucked, then you can say, ah, Gator Piss is a bullshit. It's really good. It's really good. All I, I don't buy Ferric anymore. I only get Gator Piss. And it really works well on etching everything. I, I use it to etch stainless. When I'm doing, uh, 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 when I'm doing uh, stonewash finish, I'm using Gator Piss, Gator Piss vinegar. Don't ask me. Don't use. Talk to him. Get yourself some of that Gator Piss at <sighs> BakerForge.com, or if you're in the EU, go to DIYEurope.eu. He got all that Gator Piss, and uh, as my as you know, and I as I said, Gator short for alligator, Piss is short for urine, and 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 apparently. I said for a long time that they don't know what an alligator is in, in, in Europe. And, and Steve House, last week's guest, told me, he told me, well, we are educated, Jeff. We do have education, so sorry. I just assume you didn't, you know, if you don't see it, you don't know what it is. I don't know. There are no alligators in Europe. How the fuck do I know? I don't know. I don't know if you use the, I don't know if you use the, the nickname of alligator and call it a gator. I don't know. I don't know what you do, Steve. Give me, give me a break. Get yourself some of that gator piss at uh, bakerforge.com. Put in the promo code full blast and get yourself that 10% off. Next are my friends at Total Boat. That's totalboat.com uh, slash full blast and get yourself some of that special, special. Get that two part epoxy, get that UVZ, UV cure clear resin. Stick, some, stick something in that. <laughs> Why don't you just get a bucket? 
make some of that two-part epoxy or get some of that thick-set casting epoxy and, and stick something in it. I mean, what, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. What do I use it for, Jeff? I, I don't know. What do you do? What do you do for work? What do you do for a living? What do you do for fun? You, you, you mix up some of this thick casting stuff, you pour it in a thing, and you shove something in it. And then you let it harden, and then you do something with it. <laughs> well, I got to hold your hand for everything? I mean, I'll tell you what I use. The, I can't tell you what to do with it. I'll tell you what I do with it. I use a two-part epoxy for uh, handle scales. I glue up my handle scales with a two-part epoxy from Total Boat, and I love it. So, I mean, I can't tell you what you should do. I'll tell you what you should do. And I'm going to, in this podcast, I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm, what I'm going to tell you to do is go to TotalBoat.com slash Full Blast. Get yourself some of that thick casting epoxy and shove something in it. Jesus. There's an ad read for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's why. That's why. I'd say that's why they pay me the big bucks, but, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you only knew the truth. Next are my friends at GL Hansen Sons, makers of G-Carta, which is a unique composite of natural fibers and fabrics mixed with epoxy under pressure. Stuff is tight. Tight, tight, tight. Looks like brain coral. Looks like crazy colors and crazy. He's got a good GL Hansen Sons. They have a good. They have a good set of eyes on them because these things look great. You, sometimes you get some You get some uh, uh, micartas that are like different two tone, and they look like. I'm sorry to sell you this. They look like shit. <laughs> they look like shit. They're not great. And I'd say every time I see some of the stuff from uh, GL Hansen Sons, I'm amazed how good they look. Get yourself some of that Bofa, Ripple Cut, Tuxini, Mahi Mahi, Radio Worm Jicarda. Get some of that Pheasant, Hoopla, Colorama. And you're saying to me, what are these words that you're saying? These are the names of some of these wild, wild things. And you go to g.l.hansonsons on Instagram, and then you'll get to see it. And you know what you can do? You can get yourself some of that electric fuzz. That's the stuff I, that's the stuff I named. That's the stuff I named. And basically what it is, is it's fabrics and under pressure and epoxy. And then they caught it on the bias. And then you end up with this wild, you know, I hate to say, I hate to say like some salami, the salami of, of, of knife scales. But I mean, GL, kind of, I mean, that's your, hey, GL, if you're listening, my man, next one, you got to call, you got to, you got to name it the golden salami. I'm telling you, doing yellow. Here, I'm doing a, a GL Hanson Sons. Listen to me right now. Get yourself some yellow, some white, some orange, some red, and throw it in a pattern. Yellow, orange, white, and red. And then maybe you throw like a blue stripe in there every so often. You call it the golden salami. God damn it. GL Hanson and Sons. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I want to see, I'm looking forward to the golden salami. You will you will sell some slaps. Listen, GL. They're selling gator piss, and they're selling out the wazoo. Get yourself some of that golden golden salami, <laughs> or, or if you're listening to this and you're saying, "Hey, listen, I really want to see this golden salami, mate," go send a message to GL Hansen. Son says Fader says you should make the golden salami. I'm with you, 100. GL Hansen says go get yourself some of that uh, uh, in the future. Get some of the golden salami. I mean, he can't. I mean, you can't make it up. How awesome would it be if you saw a handle, white stripe? You know, you know how they do white and yellow and make a, a, a array and you call it the golden salami jesus christ that's a good idea gl hansen and sons go to gcarta.bigcartel.com get yourself some of that in the future i can't wait to be i cannot wait 
till we start selling the golden salami, God damn it. This stuff is awesome. Get yourself that golden salami, all right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, I, I'm, I lost my mind. Last but certainly not least, I want to thank my friends at Tormac. Celebrating 50 years in business with the Black T8 sharpening system. This water-cooled sharpening system. I use it every day. I have three of them. I have three different grits, and it makes my life easier. I'm getting great edges, repeatable edges, I'm and I'm efficient, and I'm not taking too much material off. I love these things, and if you go to Tormek.com, you check out what they're doing, and you go to at Tormek underscore sharpening on Instagram and see what, see what the fuss is all about. 100%. 100% has changed the way I make knives. It is allowed, it is, I've started to see how I can fix my geometry and a lot of it has to do with trying to maximize the uh, the the Tormek. So get yourself involved with that. And last but certainly not least, eh, 15 minutes. Oh, listen, what are you going to do? I want to tell you, I have Pat Quinn coming on in the next few weeks and we're doing an all blacksmith questions, answers show where... Pat Quinn, who's been on before, I go down the Center for Metal Arts. He's the he's the he's the grand. He's the he's the big guy. He's the coordinator. He is the he runs Center for Metal Arts. He is easily one of the most important blacksmith uh, per people in the United States in terms of forging education. He will be on here answering your questions. But if you don't send me your questions and cut it out with the bullshit. Some real questions, you know, sometimes you guys, you play too hard. And, I, and and what I want to do is I want to take some of your questions and I want to read them and I want to make you feel bad about yourself. But at the same time, it's like, this is a serious operation. Send real good questions, basic, whatever. Just keep, keep them coming in. They're, you're doing fine. There's a couple of you who are a little bit, you know, schmucky, but I understand I'm, I'm schmucky too. Go to um, Full Blast Podcast on Instagram. And DM your questions in to us. I want serious questions. I want serious questions. Please, Pat Quinn's coming up. And I'm going to make sure we have lots of questions. And answer your questions. And you're going to be able to hear real answers from a guy who is established and who knows what the fuck he's talking, what the heck he's talking, what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying. All right, guys, listen, listen. (sighs) Happy Valentine's Day. It's going to be two weeks late. This I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. And... I realized that, so yesterday, the day before Valentine's Day, we had a huge snowstorm and I had to close the shop. We couldn't get up the hill. The hill is, couldn't get up the hill. So we had to schedule, switch her some time around and I had to kind of change things up so we could make time up. And I decided, because usually I record on Mondays, I wanted to make sure I had you know, enough time in the shop on Monday. So I've decided to just take a little time on Wednesday, on Valentine's Day, and give you a little bit of tough love. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give you a little bit of tough love. And this has come out on one. This is coming. This is so I'm two Fridays away. I'm two Fridays away from it. Two Fridays behind. Fine. I was, and I'm not I'm going to do any side talk. I'm not going to do any bullshit. I'm not going to give you a, oh, how's your week been? I'm going to talk to podcast. I'm going to direct, I'm going to direct some ire towards podcasters at the end, if I can remember. But I was listening to Howard Stern this morning and he had Billy Joel on. Now, Howard Stern is a radio uh, icon, radio icon. As far as broadcasting goes, he is on the Mount Rushmore of broadcasting in the, uh, in the United States, as far as most people are concerned. Radio Hall of Fame, he don't even give a fuck. He's like far superior to any broadcaster who's ever been on. You could you could definitely without question put him on uh, a high list in terms of people who have done it all, 
who have the long and the longevity and the the continued success uh, throughout the longevity of his career. He has uh, he's been a huge influence on my life. And part of that, it's interesting to see that we're, we're going to talk about influence and, and, in, and uh, influence and in, inspiration. He influenced a lot of the decisions that I've made. Now, back in the day, it was, I was home alone. I'm not going to bore you, but I was home alone because of Matt Latchkey kid, parents are divorced. I was afraid at home and I wanted the radio to be my companion. So I used to say that Howard Stern was more like my third parent or my fourth parent, but it was more along the lines of he was almost like my babysitter or friend because he kept me company when I was really needed some, I needed a companionship. I was afraid and I was alone and I was young. So I've been, uh, and it's been really, really cool. The first time I heard him was 1982, when he, the first year he was in New York. When I was very young. It was crazy. I remember, I'll never forget, I was in the car with my dad. Dad was a big radio guy. He used to say, let's listen to this new guy, Howard Stern. First five seconds in, we're driving down Lexington Avenue. We're banking on 68th Street. We're banking a uh, left on the 68th Street. 68th Street? Yeah, 68th Street. We're 100, 100, uh, 100 colleges. And he goes, all right, next person to tell me. I got uh, Elvis Costello tickets. And the next person to tell me who what Elvis has named his penis, Elvis Presley's named his penis, you're going to get two free tickets to Elvis Costello. And we're like, I cannot believe it. I've been listening to him for, I want to say, 45 years. 45, 40, 44 years I've been listening to Howard Stern. And it's been wild listening to him in terms of the transformation that he has had over, you know, growing older on the radio. And, you know, you, uh, you know, obviously make, you make changes in your life when you, when you get on the older side. So he, now he has, the way he interviews is different. Back in the day, it was the interview was just to be how, you know, he was, and he'll even admit that he, used to be more it was more about him it was more about his uh his own you know seeking approval and his own narcissism and as he grew older he started to realize that when he was interviewing people it's far more interesting to kind of hear the things that people don't normally say and you can tell that he he creates now his 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 uh interview style is a lot more long form and he's very prepared he understands where he wants to go he doesn't have papers in front of him you can tell that he's very engaged he is very organized he's very engaged and then what he ends up doing is he asks questions that maybe haven't been asked before and then he'll also not only ask questions that have been asked before but he'll also be very he'll very attentive to the answers and then kind of climb onto the thing that the per, his interviewee has said. So he's having an engaging conversation. And then, you know, I, that was a huge influence on the way I do this show. So I went from being a fan to him being almost like, a, you know, a surrogate mentor because in terms of how you kind of entertain the audience and how you try to engage with your interviewer. So basically he was a huge influence on me, in, huge influence on me. Listening today, he had Billy Joel on, who's a very close friend. They know each other very well. So there's already this intimacy already established, which just really makes it a really good, you're going to end up hearing stuff that you haven't heard before. So he's talking to Billy Joel and Billy Joel uh, is talking, he asked Billy Joel, has, have you ever gone into a, uh, have you ever written a song? Once again, I'm just a, if you don't know who Billy Joel is, I mean, you're crazy. The craziest part is he was like, he's like a, he's like a, a, a genius, a musical genius. He was playing the piano 
at four. He was really, he is quite, I mean, it is amazing what he can, what he does. So they're talking about his, you know, his creativity and how he, you know, creates his, his stories and his, his songs and stuff like that. And he had had, and then Howard said, ask him, uh, if he ever been recording and then the lyrics are good, but maybe the song just isn't, you know, the melody isn't quite right. And he goes, you know, and then, uh, Billy Joel comes in. He says, oh, you know, it's interesting you say that because I once, when I was writing, there's a famous song, I think it's Moving Out, where I'm not going to sing it, guys. This is not that kind of fucking show, okay? But Moving Out, he had he had written it and he was singing it and then he played it for the guys of the band and one of the guys of the band says, oh, you schmuck, you know, you." he said, I think he said something, oh, you shithead. That's, that music is from this other artist, and and all of a sudden Billy Joel was like, oh, it really is. He didn't realize that he had been influenced by this artist, and he refused. He referred to it as I was obviously I was influenced by this musician's music, and then it crept into my work. I was influenced, and then he ended up changing the music because he was just like, well, I don't want to copy this guy. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to sound like somebody else. So I'm going to, instead of, you know, it's such a great song and stuff like that, but I'm going to change the music because I want to be, I want to be on my own path without the taint of this being about, you know, somebody else. I, I've taken somebody else's stuff, uh, whatever, you know. So it was really interesting and they kept on talking and they kept on talking about who your influences are and he was talking about Traffic and Steve Winwood and and Paul McCartney and he was talking about these people and then how they've influenced his work even Jimi Hendrix. And he's talking about how they influence his work and when they talk when you when you hear people talking about to musicians especially when you hear uh Howard Stern talking to other uh musicians he will always ask who your influences are. And he's not saying it as, uh, as like, a, uh, who are you copying? But it's like, who has had such a huge effect on you? And then you want to kind of like, you want to almost have, you're, you're taught by them and you have this kind of trace of who they are. Billy Joel wasn't insulted that he said influence. And he certainly didn't say I was inspired by. He said he was influenced. When you're influenced by something... You have, you're acknowledging, you're acknowledging that, that you like this person's style, you like this person's whatever, and you want to kind of inhabit some of that, or you want to have some of that on, you know, on what you do. And it wasn't this, it wasn't this whole thing of like, you know, it was, influ I'm influenced by, I, my influences are so-and-so and such-and-such. And, such. and it was interesting to me because we talk about, on Knife Talk, we talk about this, I don't think the guys really want to talk, get too deep on the difference between influence and in, you know, I think that they get a little bit nervous that I'm going to be, argue with them, which is not nothing wrong with, I, I mean, nothing wrong with arguing. I, I think especially when it comes to kind of having an interesting conversation. But uh, I think about influence versus being inspired a lot because I get, I still to this day, I'm surprised at how many people in the making community, the knife making community, when they tag me, they talk about how they were inspired by something that I did. And then they knocked me off, whether it be the knives, whether it be I've been by sculpture that I've done in the past, or whether it be even the reels that I've been doing lately. They say inspired. And, I, and part of me is just like, well, it's not really inspired. I influenced you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that I think when you say you're influenced, I think you're giving credit to someone in a very 
you know, frankly, in a very uh, reverential way, in a very respectful way, too. Because otherwise, you're basically saying inspired. It seems as though you've come up with these ideas on your own, which clearly isn't the case. I get You have no idea how many people DM me these people who are just kind of, you know, taking stuff that I've done, taking designs that I've done. I've had big companies. I've had friends. I've had acquaintances. I have people I don't know. I, I and, and it's like, it's fine. I do get angry, and I started to wonder why I get angry. And it's not really angry. I mean, it's just like irritated. It's like in a Larry David irritated situation. And I started to like, somebody said to me, well, you know, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. That expression is only half the expression. The expression is uh, uh, imitation is a serious form of flattery, and then something along the lines of, that a uh, you know at that someone mediocre uh, pays towards greatness. That's the, look at the whole goddamn quote before you start to say you know you should be flattered. All right, why am I so? Why what is it about? What gets me so irritated? And I started to dwell on it. Not the influence versus inspiration, but what gets me so torqued off about it? And when I say torqued off relax. It's not that I don't get that torqued off. It's not that. And when it comes to like podcasts that are kind of trying to, you know, replicate what I've, you know, what we've been doing and knife talking with this, I don't get that torqued off. But in the, for the sake of this story, I'm going to tell you, I'm hearing by myself. I hear by myself. I got to fucking keep you occupied so you don't like get bored like the other podcasts you're listening to. Sorry. I'm taking shots too. Tough love, ladies and gentlemen. This is tough love. So I started to think about what happened and it brought me back to when I first moved into the town I was in. First moved into the town I was in. We moved from Brooklyn to an, uh, a little bit uh, north of, of kind of like the border of Westchester and New York. And part of that was for my wife's job. Part of that was, there's a lot of reasons, but we ended up, I got left my shop and I didn't have a shop and stuff like that. And then we ended up moving to a north. When Lila was on the way, we couldn't afford the town we were living in to buy, and we ended up getting pushed up to an area that was a little bit more affordable. So we're in this area, and the first thing I'm trying to do is, it was built at the place I, the area that I lived in is is built as an artist, artist, uh, artist city. It was very well, uh, you know, a lot of artists move up here from Brooklyn, and a lot of that's because you know none of us have any money, so you know, it it is what it is. That's the thing about these artist communities. They always start off being fucking (laughs) dilapidated and drug fueled and just pathetic. And then artists move in. And then after artists move in, then businesses come in to, you know, serve the artists. Next thing you know, you have a place that becomes gentrified. It's just, you know, that's just the way it is. That's gentrification in a nutshell. So yeah, artists move in and next thing you know, it's gentrification. I mean, whether you like it or not, I mean, that's usually what that's, that is the, that is exactly what the nutshell, what gentrification, gentrification is. Move up to this town. I'm looking for this art. I find out that there's this artist organization in the area. So I avail myself, I reach out and then they are, they're not very like, uh, helpful to me. They're actually, I, I, as I remember, this is, you know, talking almost 20 years ago. I'm remembering thinking, fuck these guys. That was what I, it was like a guild, but then I was just like, there was like rules and there was this and there was that. And I was looking at the work that other people were doing and and then they were kind of really kind of nasty to me. Nasty and nasty enough that 
I don't know if it was really nasty. I could have been just like this. I could have been prickly. I could have been a prick. But I seem to remember saying, fuck these guys, I'll do it myself. Fuck these guys, I'll do it myself has been my motto from 25 on. Fuck these guys, I'll do it myself. That's it. I don't need you. So I immediately was, I think I said to Hillary, I'm like, fuck these guys, I'll do it myself. I don't need their help. I ended up becoming friends with the general manager of this really awesome theater in town. They had had a art show on this weird hallway. They had this very weird hallway. It was super thin. It was a long, narrow hallway. And there, all of a sudden, it was really well lit and everything was, it was a strange. And I thought, how wild would it be if they, if we did an art show in there and everything was hung off the wall, but it was all sculpture. It was like sculptural stuff. And I had this idea and I pitched this idea to the general manager and I said, listen, I could come up with a show and I could have everything kind of scooted off the wall. So when you're looking down the hallway, it's not like it's, it's at, the hallway is activated by all this different work on the walls in and out, you know, nothing past like two or three inches, but like you have this kind of like, all of a sudden it's not about the one piece, but it's about the sum of all of it. And he says, oh, that sounds like a great idea. You got it. He says, but do me a favor. Have more than uh, just you. Have like a lot of people involved. Have a group show. And I asked him why. And he goes, well, if you if you have a group show, when there's an opening, the people in the show will invite a lot of people and then we'll get more people in because there's going to be, this is the fact about art. You know, a group show is great because if there's an opening, all of a sudden you can have more people come to, you know, show some support because you have more people involved in the show. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I happen to meet other people in this area who are artists, young artists, friends of mine from Brooklyn, friends of mine. I've created, you know, these friendships with people and they were all artists. And I was just like, look, here's what I want to do. And then we're going to create a, uh, some sort of, I'm going to create a, a connection. It won't be just like scattershot work. There's going to be thoughtful, a thoughtful idea. And in my mind, I was curating the show based on this long hallway. I really wanted everything to be kind of like offset and then it'd be this kind of accumulation of things coming off the wall and I had to try to figure out well what what can we do to make this unified because everyone all these artists I, I know they're all doing different shit and how can I make it unified and I had this idea I was friends with this guy who owned the skateboard company in town and uh, skateboard uh, park. And I asked him if he had old, I know at the first time I was, uh, I did it with my friend, Tim, and he got involved with these skateboard people. And every artist who was in the show also got a blank skateboard. And what we did was I said, you can do whatever you want to it. As long as you can have one piece in the show, it can be a painting, it can be whatever, as long as we can, as long as we can hang on the wall, whatever. But you have to also do this skateboard. You do whatever you want to. You do whatever you want. And then I made these blocks. And then when the sh- came to installing the show, I get all these paintings and stuff like that. But then I'd I'd make I'd mount the skateboard because the interesting thing about a skateboard deck is it's th- it's not flat. It's three dimensional. There are these curves, and when you look at it from the side, there's m- there's all this movement, and all of a sudden because it's not a flat painting it's not like a flat board it's all these kind of uh you know the 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 tail end and then the nowadays the the nose and the tail are almost identical and then it roll and then the it moves a little bit uh, it's concave all of a sudden this becomes sculpture to me 
So everybody got a skateboard deck. It was the same skateboard deck. And then everyone put a piece in. And then when we hung everything, you had this connection. You had this connection with everybody's work and the skateboard deck. And it was a rousing success. And it was so successful that, and we called it Meg. I called it, I needed a name for it. And I named it Megadeck. Megadeck. And it was like Megatron and, you know, Mega. And I just wanted it to be, I wanted a word to people ask. So we had Megadeck. And it was such a successful show that the city and, and the peak skill, don't want to say the word, the artist group that was involved, that kind of like, kind of sneered at me a little bit. They never had a show this well received in in town. There's a museum in the area. They never had a show that this this locally well received. And we the place was packed. It was awesome, and uh, it was it was a lot of work. And I realized that I'm and I did it out of spite. I did it out of spite to this organization. I did it out of spite because I thought it was fuck you. I'll do it myself. Fuck you. I'll do it myself. And it was a lot of work. But it was a lot of fun. It was a gr- really well received. And the city actually used it in a grant proposal to the state. And that was really cool. So like all of a sudden they, they pitched themselves as an artist city and the show that I curated and I came up with and I sung and did the whole thing. It became, you know, something that the city used, you know, in a grant fund. I was honored. It was great. So I also, I did it two years. We did it for, we did it two years in a row and it was a lot of fun. I I got to the point where it was like, I'm doing too much for other people. And it was a lot of holding hands, a lot of, a lot of administration stuff, a lot of dealing with diva mentality, a lot of, and all I could think of at the end is who am I doing this for? Am I trying to, I'm trying to encourage, am I, do I want to be a curator? Do I want to be someone who does this or am I trying to, and I was just like, it's enough with it. It's enough with this. I, we did a good run. We did some, it was fine. It was well received. And as a result, the, one of the people, the, the former president of the uh, artist group approached me and said to me, we're nominating a new president and we'd like to nominate you because we feel like there should be some fresh, some fresh eyes. Now we're talking like we're talking now. We're talking over 10 years ago, maybe 12, 15 years ago. And he said, we'd like some new eyes. We appreciated what you did. You're very, you know, you know, I'm not going to tell you all the things he said, but it was very complimentary. And, and remember how I said flattery is a uh, 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 imitation is serious, sincerest form of flattery. Flattery does work on me in a lot of cases. When you, when you put me in a position where you think, all right, he can, he should be the president of this organization. That's the kind of flattery that I'm just like, okay, now I'm listening. He calls me up. He says, we're going to, we're nominating new presidents and I want to, I want to nominate you as, this is the former president. I want to nominate you as the new president. I said, well, let me go down there and see what this is all about. And I, so I'm thinking to myself, I telling my wife, I'm like, I'm going to be the president of this artist group that fucking told me to go screw before. How great is this? And I haven't paid a lick of, I haven't paid a nickel of dues. And this is just like, ah, oh, man, this is, this is more than I had expected. Like when I first moved into this town and I thought, fuck these guys, I'll do it myself. I never thought they would nominate me to be the president. I go to this, I go in there, I'm walking in there like a fucking, like a, I got my chest puffed up. They had all seen the show. They were all, no one, there was a lot of it. And it was, it was basically, a, it was going to be a formality. They, they wanted new blood. They wanted me to come in. 
I'm walking in there like such a piece of shit. And I just walk in there and I listen to what they're going to, I listen to a meeting and this guy's upset and that guy's upset. And when are you going to do this? And what are we going to do that? And, and as I'm listening to the, the people in this organization, just try a vault. That's a Yiddish expression for bitch and moan. My dad used to say that all the time. He's like, Ugh, the Shrike vault. And he, these people are just feckless. They are feckless. I mean, they're talking about, they're, you know, fucking I'll do it myself does not apply to any of these people. Not one of these people, not one, not one of these people has the fucking I'll do it myself mentality. And these are all artists. These are all doers. These are all people who are problem solvers, except for their own. They felt entitled and they wanted this and they wanted their hands held. And all of a sudden there was this moment where I was like, I cannot be the president of these people. I cannot help these people. I can't, they don't want to help themselves. I cannot help them. So I, I went up to my friend before he nominated me and I said, it's not for me. I just, I, after this meeting, it's not for me. Listening to what these people need, I cannot do it. I cannot do these things on my own. I can't do it. And I'm said, I am very sorry. I really appreciate it. But I cannot help people that cannot help themselves. I cannot hold the hands of people who need to be told what to do. I cannot, I can't sit here and have my energy sapped from people who are unwilling to figure things out. I mean, there were some things that they wanted that were just like outrageous. It was outrageous that they felt they they were due. And I was like, I appreciate it, my man. I appreciate it. You're my guy. And every time I see him, I, we're always very friendly. And uh, he understood. He completely understood. He said, I know where you, I knew it. I, I didn't think that you'd fuck. I didn't think you'd I think that he was more surprised that I would relinquish my nomination before I even had a chance to be nominated. And I was like, I, and I walked home. I said to my wife, man, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> These people, they cannot help themselves. This is stuff they should be able to do themselves. And I don't want to be responsible for their success. That's crazy. That's crazy that these people are in this particular business and they're expecting the president of this organization to show them and give them success. Crazy. Totally crazy. So afterwards, uh, another thing happened. Uh, the museum that was involved in the city uh, had realized that they were artists that they had no idea that were here. And they approached me about creating this... Uh, postgraduate art critique group for, you know, specific artists that they, you know, handpicked artists to do these, you know, at night, once a week, we would do it. Um, we would do a critique and a critique is somebody brings their work and it would be one person per week. They'd come up, there'd be something to eat. There'd be a couple laughs, a couple of jokes. And it was a group of people from all over this area. A lot of really, really, I mean, like it was, it was great, different beat than this other organization because I did not feel I felt intimidated by this group. Some of the artists in this group were like very well seasoned, very successful at galleries, the gallerists, they had shows all over the world. These were like respectable artists. You look at their work, you're like, shit, that's fucking good. So I was like psyched because it was like, I helped bring part of this organization to, you know, it was like a, it was like a, it was, we called it the artist club. 
And it was great. And it was like we would every week it would be a different. Uh, it was like usually on Thursday nights. I think it was something like one night. And it was like they go long. You know, they'd go late. And then we, we they would show up and everyone would be. It was in this museum, this beautiful museum. And then the, the couple. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Kind of like who owned it or, you know, they would kind of give us some refreshments and we'd have this nice conversation. It was a networking thing, too. And somebody would bring in their work and then we would discuss the work. And what was amazing was the critiques that I was used to is everybody would do a round robin with their own work and you'd give five minutes. Well, the whole night was to, devoted to this one piece. And the rules were in the beginning, the artist can't say anything. And the group would CSI the the piece that they submitted. So all of a sudden you're getting, where are we? No, okay. Uh, you, they would submit a piece of usually paintings and we would talk about the work and talk about the color, but not the work. We talk about this particular work. We would kind of separate ourselves out from if we knew their body of work and we would just kind of like micro investigate this piece and when you say micro investigate you're looking at the paint you're trying to you and then you're slowly trying to create uh, from a basic to an overall theme what kind of paint is it what kind of brushes do you think they're using what kind of strokes are these all about and what is the you know talk about the technical aspects of it or is is this area here that's very muddy was this a problem where you feel as though it wasn't spontaneous it wasn't meant to be that there's a struggle i started to really learn about painting uh, and the crazy part is, is I wish, I wish I knew more about painting. The only painting I knew about was my father was an amazing painter and, but he was unable or unwilling to kind of teach me about painting in and of itself. I did not have a vocabulary or a firm understanding. Imagine if your dad was a really, was a professional baseball player. Imagine if your dad was a professional, let's say basketball player and he just couldn't show you how to dribble the ball. He just couldn't show you how to shoot a, a, a layup he, or, or uh, do a finger roll. He could not show you handles. He couldn't show you how to do this stuff or he wouldn't. That's what it was like for me. I, my father was a professional. He was, an, he was as gifted a painter as I'd ever met still to this day. He was unable or unwilling to teach me how to paint. And that to me is one of my biggest regrets right now because I, I, but this artist group, I started to kind of gain a better understanding. And when I went to college as an art major, I didn't take any fucking painting classes. And part of it was because I cannot compete with my father as a painter. So why even bother taking a painting class? It was so stupid. I should have been taking painting classes. I'm still planning on it. 
I should have taken him when I had the chance, and I didn't because I thought, why should I compete with my father? My father also really didn't want me competing with him either. Another weird situation. And I went into sculpture. So I'm starting to kind of learn about painting and understanding painting. And there are things in painting and talking to my friends who are awesome painters. There are pro- you can tell, you can start to identify Mark. And then when I'm painting sculpture, I'm starting to kind of like as a non- you know, I didn't learn how to paint, so I'm learning on my own. I'm starting to kind of use my own experiences to understand what other people are going through. Ah, I don't like this color. Let me just kind of work a little bit with a different shade. And all of a sudden it becomes muddy. And then all of a sudden you have this moment where you can identify this moment of frustration. So there's really interesting, you know, you're talking about the technical details and you're saying that this part of this corner here has, you know, has been worked harder than this other corner here. And I'm starting to get this sense of like incongruity and I'm also getting this weird tension and stuff like that. And then you start to talk about what does it mean? And we were having these really interesting, it was really interesting. And then the artist is sitting there just like probably pulling their goddamn hair out, just listening to these morons talk about their work in this like, you know, like crime scene investigator. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you talk about the, the, you know, you talk about what is he trying to say? And if this is what he's trying to say, is he successful? And then after you've exhausted every avenue, I like the, uh, why did he decide to paint over the side? And why did he decide to put it in a frame? And what does the frame mean? And you're just, there's no rock is left unturned. That's a real critique. And then you end up saying at the end, was this the intention of the artist and was that intention successfully shown to the viewer? Then you ask the artist, the artist says, yeah, this was my intention and my intention was this. And, and, then, you say, and then at the end you say, was it successful or not successful? And then it becomes a really interesting conversation. And it's not like, the stupid part is, is some of you people, <laughs> I'm back to fucking tough love. Some of you people think that art talk is like, you know, uh, intellectual, uh, bullshit and artsy fartsy talk, but it isn't, it's actually, if you, if you just, and I don't fucking do all the, you know, the, the, you know, what what my friend, Mark, (laughs) my friend, Mark, Mark, the photographer, Mark, the photographer, he sends me this, so, you know, you know, the, the, the neo Buddhist, you know, intellectual talk. I don't talk like that. I talk like this. So when I explain things, especially when it comes to art, if you talk like a normal person, it becomes more approachable. And then that's more and more interesting. I don't have to try to confuse you. And I don't have to try to make you feel as though I'm smarter than you are because I'm not. I'm an idiot. I told Sam from Trojan Horse Forge, if I don't call him in the next two weeks, I'm garbage. I know who I am, ladies and gentlemen. So it's really interesting. So we would have these critiques, and then all of a sudden, it was very painting heavy, and then I was was nominated to come in. And they brought in one of my sculptures. It was a small uh, gas-welded steel bird uh, perched on the steel plate, and then the plate was mounted to this... um, mounted to this uh wooden block that i used graffiti pens i made kind of graffiti in my opinion of what graffiti and so i'll explain the whole thing a lot of it was due to my daughter i had to be around when she was very very young and i had to be able to do stuff that i could be around her so i was doing a lot of uh gas welding you know in the off time and then i was doing this small painting because I could use these paint pens and I could be around my daughter and it wasn't noxious and I was able to be with her. And also when she was an infant, I could actually work too. So 
my opinion on so it was a steel bird i'll post it if you go to my uh if you go to full blast podcast on instagram this will be my post for this will be the post for the picture on the cover will be the post of the painting the the, the sculpture I did. So it's this bird and it's sitting there and then I use steel. I, I used uh, oxyacetylene to weld eighth inch rod, which is the best of all time. And then afterwards I used a brazing rods and the torch and then I brazed on this coating of bronze, uh, brass in different places and stuff like that. And then I mounted this block. Now, what I wanted to do is to create this concept of this, you know, this bird, the steel bird covered in bronze. And then it was sitting on this block that was graffitied. And when I say graffiti, I'm going to explain to you what is interesting about graffiti. When you, when I think of terrible graffiti, I think of the set of um, the Fresh Prince and DJ's Jazzy Jeff, Parents Just Don't Understand where some dude had three colors and then he painted those three colors very quickly and everything like that. When you start to look at a graffitied building, what's interesting is, is it becomes this interesting conversation of time. You have one guy that tags and then another guy completely different tags, something different on top and then something different on top and then something different on top. And what happens is, is then there's another guy who tags something completely different, a different pen, and you know, they're one on top of the other on top of the other. And what that does is that automatically and your eye, when you see graffiti, you automatically can tell time, the, the, the passing of time. So it becomes this, if you do it right, you can create the concept of time passing. And so what I would do is I would use color and stuff like that, and then I would use different pens, and then I would write something, and then I would stop, and then I'd get a different pen, and then I'd create these different characters, and then I'd post on, I'd, I'd tag on top of the other one, I'd tag on top of the other one. And then the, then all of a sudden, you're, you're creating this really cool pattern that's different. But the interesting thing is it isn't about the graffiti anymore. It's the, it's the passing of time. It's the passing of time. So that was one thing. And then the, so I bring the sculpture in gas welded steel bird painted it and they start to CSI the, uh, the sculpture. They had no idea what the fuck I did. There was no technical abilities. Uh, they, I was like stupefied. Is it bronze? I think it's a bronze casting. And then the bronze, and they're just, it's like, I'm like, they're saying the stupidest things I've ever heard. This is nothing. They're not even close. And some of these people know me and they're, and there's not, they're not even coming close to how I did this. They're not even, they are assured that this is a bronze casting and that, uh, just going, they're going, they're going down this, I mean, they're going down the wrong road. They're going down the wrong road. And I'm sitting there being like, I, I've been to so many critiques and they're just so accurate. And the artist says, wow, you really figured out what I was doing and you understood what I was doing. I could t- they could tell what the paintbrush was and they could tell what the paint was. And I knew that I knew it was oil. This was clearly oil because they're looking at my fucking sculpture. And it's like, how fucking stupid could you guys be? And then I saw, all of a sudden I was hoping for some sort of clarity. And I was just like, I can't trust the fucking thing these people say. They're so stupid. and they go on and on and on. And I'm just like, they're talking about bronze casting. And I'm just, there's no fucking bronze casting. They don't know about well. They don't know about metalwork. And I'm just like, the whole thing's fucking ridiculous. And all of a sudden, they come to me and they say, 
well, what do you think about what I said? And I'm just like, I'm, I, I said, I'll be frankly, I'm slightly mortified. You guys don't know anything about sculpture at all. <laughs> and then there was a silence. I'm like, I mean, I sat here. I didn't say a thing. I could have stopped you. I might I made it. Maybe I should have. But I was just like, I just wasted an hour, my hour and a half of my life listening to you morons. And I'm, and it was just like, I can't count on you anymore. You have not impressed me whatsoever with your idea about what sculpture is and what any of it is. And I was just like, ugh. And I was just like, ugh, people suck. And it was like, clearly the best part was, was the, was the guy who ran the whole thing was very proud of himself. And then I was just like, man, you guys don't know anything about sculpture. You don't know how to build anything. You're good when it comes to painting. You know what you're talking about. But when it, Jesus Christ, when it comes to making anything sculptural, you're terrible. You're terrible. I sat here for an hour and a half. You didn't you didn't hit one thing. I didn't use bronze. I used brass. That's number one. And then that's the closest thing you got. Everything else was like, forget. I mean, you, you morons. So that was embarrassing for all of us. And I let them all know. And it was like, ugh, you people. I said, you people, why, when am I going to get, and I started breaking their balls. One guy was like assured of all this stuff. And he was, he had, he had like, he was wearing, you know, uh, pants where the, they come up high. I think, you know, they're like, uh, you know, when the, the, the leg comes up high, like just below your knee and he's so sure of himself. And I said, and frankly, I said, I cannot take any type of criticism from a man wearing capri pants i am sorry everyone started laughing and i humility i was just like i was just such a wreck and i was an asshole i was a total asshole but at the same time it was just like why did i you people are 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 i mean you don't talk you don't know anything about sculpture you know about painting you know nothing about sculpture so that was one of the last, one of the last, or one of the last artist group. We still did it a few times, and then I went in there just with like a fucking hacksaw. I went in there like a fucking maniac. Every, I just went in there. If I didn't say something poignant, I'd say something funny. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna have a good time here. I'm not gonna sit here for three hours going down the wrong way. This is like you guys don't know what you're talking about, so I can't, you know. All of a sudden, there was a number. A bit later, there was a. There was a uh, opportunity for a grant. Uh, New York State was doing a grant, and it was going to be for the, uh, the river area of our of our uh, town. And it was this, anybody living in New York State could apply for this grant. So apparently they had, and it was run through this museum, and it was specifically for our town. So over a hundred over a hundred fifty p artists applied for it, and they whittled it down to uh, ten. No. Yeah, they whittled it down to 10, 10 finalists. And I got the letter that I was one of the finalists. It was like, I can't believe it. It was for 70 Gs. 70 Gs. So I had this idea and I wrote this, you know, this proposal and stuff like that. And I got whittled down to one of the, one of the 10 of, they were going to have seven artists. They were going to have seven artists. And they were whittling it down from 10 to seven. I think so. I think it was 10 to seven. Or it was seven. No, no, no. My mistake. It was eight artists, and they were going to whittle it down to five artists. So three were going to get the pike. <laughs> three were going to get get the get out. We don't want you. You, you're seventy grand. Get out. So in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, all right, I got to win this thing. And I'm looking at the people who are also in the in you know the other people. I'm the only person who lives in the city that this, you know, this, this grant is going to. I'm the only one. So I, 
I get the paperwork and I'm supposed to do a, I'm supposed to meet with the judges. I'm supposed to do a PowerPoint presentation, which I had never done before. I'm supposed to have models. I'm supposed to have scales. I'm also supposed to have signed off the, the sculpture that I was going to submit signed off to a, uh, I was supposed to have a, uh, licensed engineer sign off on my drawings. There was a lot of shit that I had to do in order for this to happen. And, uh, I was just like, I am going to do everything in my power to get this goddamn grant. Because in my mind, I'm like, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I, all of a sudden 70 G's, 70 G's. How, I mean, if you're an artist and you have an opportunity to get 70 grand to make a sculpture, it's like, I mean, it's like, it might as well have been a million dollars. So I, I went and I did drawings. I had my friend do computer renderings. I had ideas. I had this great idea. And then I backfilled it with the money is going to stay in this town. I'm, I figured out I'm going to buy the steel from this, uh, this welding company in town. All the wood I'm going to buy from this lumber company in town. I'm going to buy all my hardware from a hardware company in town. All the money I spend will be solely in this town. I'm going to use local companies to help build this sculpture. All that 70 grand, whatever goes to, and then I'm going to pay my rent and then I'm going to, it's going to stay in the town. So that all of a sudden I'm thinking that's got a big judges got to like that. Then I had already established a internship program with the local high school. And I said, I'm going to have a internship where I have our uh, young high school art majors come and help me and help me do. And I'll tell you a funny story. So I was like, help me when you're an intern for an artist, you're, you're maybe it's not that exciting, but you get to work with an artist and you, you, you get people to do tasks that are, you know, at their level, you don't make them do crazy things. You, you make them do things that are, you know, approachable, help you with color samples, help you with, maybe there's going to be some sweeping to do. Maybe we'll move something. Maybe we'll, you'll help me, you know, pick something up or it's, within the confines of, you know, being able to have uh, an intern work with the artist as getting experience of working with an artist. You're not going to do the, I'm not, I'm not hiring, getting slave labor. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, my wife helped me with the PowerPoint. She showed me how to do PowerPoint. We ran through it. I ran through my PowerPoint presentation four or five times. I was, I knew what I was going to do. And then I knew the judges. I knew the judges. I knew a couple of the people. I knew a couple of the judges. I was friendly with them, but not too friendly with them. I felt as though my whole proposal was very strong, very strong. I might've even told this story before, but that was a while ago. You know, you guys are new listeners. I go in scared shitless and I'm thinking to myself, fuck it. I'll do it myself. I'm going to make this happen. I've never done this before. I've never done this before. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. Whatever it takes. I was prepared. I was ready to go. I brought a model in. I brought pictures in. I brought PowerPoint. I explained everything. And I talked about how this is going to be, all the money's going to stay in the city. And then they asked me some stupid quote. One person was like, I don't understand. You say you're going to have internships. You're going to, I don't think it's safe to have interns welding. And I said, Madam, I don't, and I said, this is, I didn't say this jerky at all. I said, this is nice as pot. I wanted to light this person up. I explained it the way I just explained to you. You give people jobs that they can handle. 
you don't start to say, all right, start making the sculpture. And then I go grab a ice latte and put my feet up. I'm giving them, I will help, you know, you're going to help me with color samples. You're going to help me with, you know, maybe some sweeping up. Like I said, maybe there's some where there won't be anything. I explained that I have had interns before and I never put any intern in a position of, of being, you know, unsafe. <laughs> We're not going to, you know, and that was, that was the weird part was, is she just couldn't understand it. And I was just like, I had to keep explaining what it is an artist does. And it's not all just like, you know, grinding and stuff. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe either. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. I felt that I did a good job. And at the end, the people who were involved with the whole organization said to me that my presentation was the strongest of the seven, the strongest of the eight or the eight people. Mine was the strongest. I was charming as hell. Of course. Come on. Stop playing. Stop playing. We knew that I was going to say that. I knew it was going to happen. I was charming as fuck. I was funny. I was comfortable. I had answers for their questions. Their questions were easy. I mean, they were going to ask me questions. Their questions were easy, easy. I had the, I had this you sign off from the, 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 uh, engineer, a whole nine yards. All right. I did everything I can do. I can't do anymore. And they said that mine was the strongest. I made some jokes. I said that, you know, this is not the other thing. It was like, I was confident, but I wasn't overconfident. I was like, I was in there. And I get home and I said to my wife, I'm like, they told me it was the best goddamn one they had. I'm like, it's there's eight people and they're only going to pick five. It's better than 50%. It's better than, I only need to get, I mean, <laughs> I just need a, two guys worse than me. Two guys, three guys. I need three guys worse than me. No problem. They said I did the best. They just said I did the best of everybody. <sighs> Weeks pass, get a letter in the mail. Oh, you know what? I didn't get a letter in the mail. I got, oh no, I did get a letter in the mail. I got a letter in the mail. Thank you so much. For, it was a form letter. Thank you so much for submitting. Uh, unfortunately, you didn't, you know, make the cut. And I was crestfallen. I did everything I could. I did everything I could. And I could not. Under, nobody else was from our city. No one else was going to be doing what I was. No one else was going to be kind of keeping the money in the town. I would think that it was specifically for this town. That I just felt like, I don't understand. How, how, how could this have happened? Well, it turns out that the people running, the people that running the, uh, well, or had connections with the judges, the people who were involved with the whole thing, overseeing the whole thing with the judges, also were the people who were running the art critique. And it turns out that most of the people who got the five, allegedly, I'm going to say allegedly, were, uh, were artists that worked for the gallery of the people were running the whole thing. So it smelled like the fix was in, allegedly. I know, the fix was in. The fix was in. It felt like the fix was in. I could think, all I could think of was, like, who are these people? And then they're, it's connected to this gallery, connect, same gallery, same gallery, same gallery. The five were connected to the same gallery, or four of them were connected to the same gallery. It's been a while. And I'm just livid, livid. And all I could think of is, God damn it, I wasted so much time and so much energy and I did everything right. And I just like, and usually it'd be like, ah, I can take it. 
This one I couldn't fucking take. Could not take. I got fucking stolen from. I felt in my mind I got stolen from. Go to one of the artist critique groups, and one of the artists who submitted got in the show, and the guy what wanted to congratulated him, and then congratulated him and stared at me while I congratulate. I want to congratulate so and so. You got you. You made the. Let's all give a congratulations to. Uh, da, da, da. And he just stared at me. He stared at me while he was congratulating, and while he was congratulating the uh, the guy who was uh, who got in, who also was in one of his artists. The guy was in the artist who was accepted was also one of his guys. So, in terms of you think about the distance between it all, a gallery if the gallery receives a certain percentage of what the artist makes. That also probably goes with the grants. So if somebody gets a grant, if you're an artist and you're making sculpture and you're the you know you're you're under the you're under the protection or you're under the uh, representation of a gallery, a gallery's getting a taste. So there was money. It was a money situation, and there, there's no question about it. I mean, there's no question about it that they got a taste. They got a taste of five different. They got a t- they got a piece of the action of five of the artists, seventy grand a pop. So then I might have said a few things and I think I basically was just like some bullshit. I, I, one of the people involved pulled me aside and said, let's talk. And I, she, and I just let her have it. And I said, this is some bullshit. I said, you know, this is bullshit. You told me that this was the strongest of the, of the things. And I was just like, fuck it. I said, fuck it. I got no control. It's nothing to do with me anymore. I'm over it. I said, but I'm going to tell you this. These goddamn sculptures better be the best goddamn sculptures you've, I've ever seen. I'm a, you, these better be some fucking bawling sculpt. These better be some bitch-ass awesome sculptures. These, must be, these better be some fucking awesome sculptures. And I just let it loose. And that I, I was it. And I, I pretty much, that pretty much was the end of me in this organization. And then I, I, The fix was in. And fuck it, I'll do it myself was like, it also soured me on galleries. It soured me on galleries. And I, at the time, I had already started making knives. And uh, so maybe this is closer to 10 years. 10 years ago, I had a shop with my friend John Ledford and we were working on projects and stuff like that. And then I started, you know, I was doing some teaching here and there. And it was this moment of like, I just, I cannot count on other people. I cannot count on people having my best interests at heart. Fuck you. I have to do it myself. Fuck you. I'll do it myself. And that has been my fucking, my, and the last opportunity I had for a show, there was, I was, I, I pitched a solo show to this really reputable gallery in the area. The gallerist came down. I gave her a, a I showed her all my work and I, she, we did a whole big thing, looking at my work da, 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 da. And at the time, I was making knives as well, but I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to do all new work. And I said to the woman, I will do all new work. Everything I do, if you give me a solo show, it will be all new work. Tons of new work. Tons of new work. And they said, we would love to give you the show. And here's our our conditions. We're going to get 40% of the the revenue. 40% of the revenue of the sales. 30 or 40 percent I couldn't remember or 50 per, even for 50 percent whatever it was a I can't remember exactly what it was but it was between 30 and 50 percent and then the gallery will only be open on weekends 
for you know three four weeks and you have to be here to run to op- to you have to be here during opening and closing hours to sell the work so i had to make the work i had to promote the work i had to be here to sell the work and i had to give them a piece of the action a big piece and i was just like fuck it i'm not doing this anymore <laughs> i don't want the, I, this pimp relationship is not for me totally not for me and I said, I said, thank you very much. I've, I've decided to change my mind, which must have been weird, fucking weird. Must have been really weird for her, the, the gallerist, to, after I pitched this show to me, like me turn. I basically said, your terms are not, uh, I cannot do your terms. And then I was like, fuck it. I'll make knives. I'll do it myself. I said, fuck it. I'll do it myself. And then I really kind of kicked in full, you know, full blast into uh, the knife making. And then also getting involved with the podcast and getting involved with knife talk. And before knife talk, I was, I was doing uh, the downward spiral with my bro, uh, Nico Tavernisi, and we're going to get him back on sooner rather than later. And it was like, fuck it. I'll do it myself and I'll do it myself. I'll figure it out myself. I don't, I don't need, I don't need help. I don't need help. And I don't want help. And growing into it and growing into fader knives and growing into uh, being the host of knife talk, I am amazed at some of the questions that we get, and a lot of them are great questions for the show, for the for Knife Talk. If you don't know, Knife Talk is the number one knife-related podcast on the German-fested planet, whether you like it or not. And I just remembered kind of this feeling of like becoming a... I went from being a sculptor to being a knife maker, and now I'm in the maker community, and there's all these like... I'm noticing the differences between sculpture and knife making and making and forging and blacksmithing, and there's this real difference. But I always kind of saw it as something as um, problem-solving. Like, to me, all of it was the same. Cooking was the same. Making sculpture was the same. Making knives were the same. Forging's the same. It's all... Taking a technique and then a little bit of discipline and being organized with your mind and kind of executing your creativity. And to me, it was just like, that's it. I mean, that's what sculpture is, you know? And I started, as I start to see more and more knife makers who identify as artists, I might add, and I've been saying forever, knife making is not art. I don't give a fuck. You can, you know what? I can, I'll get these guys on. I get Nick Rossi on and he's going to, he'll, he'll, he'll argue with me about it, but in a polite way, God bless him. I'm going to, if, if I have a guest on here and they want to tell me that knife making is art, I'm going to say, you're right. <laughs> because I'm spine, I'm fucking spineless when it comes to like, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to make things weird, but at the same time in my heart of hearts, it's what knife making is. Could be art. In certain circumstances, it might be art. But what art is, is you're taking this idea and your creativity, and then you're kind of creating your own spin on something or your own, uh, your own take on something that's, that's specifically yours. It's your, it's your concept. It's your journey. It's something based off of something that you've done and your work should be an evolution of that idea or an idea. You should, every, every piece that you do, every piece of every knife you make or or something like that, or every sculpture you make or every painting you make should be a distant cousin of the last one. There should be a fingerprint all the way. It should, you should be looking down the hallway and then every single step is leading towards what you're doing now. 
That sounded weird. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, it should be a family and you should be able to recognize traits that give you your style. And as I'm getting involved with this knife making world, I remember, I'll never forget, I went to a blade show and I got introduced to this guy and the guy says to me, oh, what do you do? And he, he says to me, he, I said to him, what do you do? And he goes, oh, I'm, an art, I'm a knife artist. And there was a very famous uh, tool an artist who made stuff out of tools. His name is Armand. And he would make these giant sculptures out of axes. He got fucking thousand axes or thousand wrenches or, or a thousand knives. Or he would weld them all together and create this kind of thing. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking that's what he's, that's what he's doing. I mean, that's a knife. A knife Armand is the fucking knife artist because he's <laughs> taking all these knives and welding them into something. And I started to just like, I started, I needed a bit, I needed, frankly, I needed a bit when I started with Knife Talk. And I basically made the point, because all these guys are, I'm an artist, this is my art, and I'm just like, it's not art. I mean, you can't go to fucking, you go to a gallery and try to, and try to, you know, pitch a show and be part of the art community with your knife. It's not going to happen. Or very rarely it's going to happen. There are art type knives and there are artistic knives and there are knives that are very, you know, but it's not a, it's, it's a self-expression, but I just don't think it's, it's not sculpture, not fucking sculpture. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. What the fuck do I know? Maybe I'm wrong. But what I do know is there's a difference between being influenced and being inspired. When you say when you tag me in something and you say, I'm inspired by, and then you, by Fader, because you're not really using the right terminology. You're being influenced. If you, if you see the way I do something and you decide that's what I want to do, I want to do a K-tip. I want to do a K-tip and I want to do the color, lots of colors and I want to do all this stuff. Tell me your, tell some, tell, don't tag me in it just to tag me in. Tag me in it and say, I, I, this has been influenced by the work of Jeff Fader and I won't be offended and you shouldn't either, but it's far more, it's far more, uh, correct than just ripping me off. Cause that's generally what it is. And I've been ripped off. Like I said, I've been ripped off by knife companies. I've been ripped off from friends. I've been ripped off from people I barely know it. The, the, I'm, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a vent. I'm on a vent right now and I'm done. I'm done venting. I'm with you a hundred percent. If you want to do my thing, go ahead. You want to start a podcast and you want to try to like, I mean, I do your thing, live your life. I'm with you. You want to be influenced. Just do me a favor. If you want to be on my good side, stop using inspired. I'm inspired by Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, guard on the New York Knicks, worked his goddamn ass off not without being seven feet tall, without being faster than anybody without being more athletic than anybody he willed himself through hard work and discipline to become one of the best he's an inspiration i want to talk about influence brancusi is an influence of my work i appreciate the contrast of the shapes that he uses in his sculptures i appreciate the the um the different shapes i different the forms his kind of feather his sculpture bird in space is one of my favorite sculptures of all time i am influenced by brancusi I am influenced by uh, Basquiat. I'm influenced by uh, Keith Haring. I'm influenced by a lot of different artists. And I, I don't say I'm inspired by them because it's not as if I came up with it on my own. Their influence on me informed the decisions that I make. And I show my respect by saying it. My, my fucking logo, my, my, uh, my, the Anvil logo that I have on my merch 
the whole idea was the, the, there, it's a crown, an anvil, and on the bottom is my touch mark. The, the whole thing is, is a play on the fact that the crown is meant to be a Basquiat crown because I'm showing respect to Basquiat and I'm also showing respect for the fact that I was an artist for a long time. The anvil is uh, a hay button based off of one of my favorite anvils they have here that I got from my brother, Jesse. Jesse Savage sold me his, his. and then the bottom is my touch mark. So there's this three-part logo. The logo is the crown. It's the Basquiat crown, the anvil, and the touch mark. And it's this kind of connection between my past, my future, and my history. And it, it, to me, that means something. So, And when I talk about all my work, I can talk about it in a very uh, natural way. I'm fucking going crazy here. I'm going to go, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm blabbing. I'm blabbing. Where are we? 117. All right. You can know what I'm saying. Listen, I want you to be inspired by, by things. I want you to be influenced by things. I want you to not rip me off. Okay. That's what I'm asking. I want you to not rip me off. And if you think, why am I whispering? If you think that I'm talking to you, the chances are I'm talking to you. So just find your own way. Find your own way. Find your own way. Don't, don't jerk each other off either. Eh, that's what you know. Reels, guys. You're, you're, you should be focusing on business, and you're in t- in, instead you're circle jerking each other. And I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm doing these reels to try to get new eyes on the product. I've said enough. I'm fucking rambling. I'm rambling, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to talk about podcasts, um, and I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I was going to talk about new podcasts I've been listening to. Send shout out to my boys, uh, uh, Jared Sandoval and uh, Dennis Terrell. I'm starting to really look forward to what they're up to. They're doing a podcast called The Triple T for Knife Makers. It's definitely not Knife Talk, which I appreciate. And they're, you, you know, they're it's it's too early to like give them critique. I'm going to try to have them on soon rather than later because I just, I like those guys and they're doing a different perspective. Uh, it's actually as far as a different, and it's too early to, it's too early to make judgments. It's too early to make judgments. They're working out. I talked to Dennis, you know, they're working things out. I appreciate what they're doing. I'm trying to get them on this thing. And then we got that squared away. So I would highly suggest finding your own. One of the things that I appreciate what they're doing is they're trying to find their own way. And if you're a podcaster, if you're a maker, if you're Instagram, you know, content person, try to find your own way. That is far more into your business. Find your own way. Be sincere in the decisions that you make. Be sincere. Try to be deliberate. Right now I'm doing these uh, posts on Instagram and some people don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I I know what I'm doing. And the idea was I want to have something recognizable. I want something, number one, that's lots of juice and no squeeze. Number two is something that's over and over again, magic carpet ride. You're getting magic. Ladies and gentlemen, you're getting magic carpet ride for a long time. So just get fucking used to it. And I want it to look like it is. And I'm also trying to, I'm trying to fucking, I'm trying to fucking dodge the algorithm and and it's working. My, my, my numbers are, my numbers are looking a lot better. And a lot of it's because I'm being consistent. I'm doing this and do your own, but find your thing and do your own thing and be consistent. Don't, don't, don't just do what I do. It's just, it's annoying. It's, it's, it's annoying. It's, I don't, 
Find your own way. I want you to find your own way. You should say to yourself, fuck it, I'll do it myself, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck it, I'll do it myself. <sighs> I said too much. Giving you the tough love. And I haven't been very nice. So I want to apologize if I've hurt your feelings or I've gone overboard or I have said something to offend you. I apologize. I apologize. Okay, last but certainly not least, I'm going to have, I have some guests on I'm really looking forward to, uh, and one of them is my friend Pat Quinn. Now, I am going to say it once, and I'm going to say it a thousand more times, and eh, a thousand more times. I need your questions. I need your questions, your blacksmithing questions, because we're going to do a question and answer where I'm going to answer or I'm going to read questions to, from you to Pat about blacksmithing. You want to talk about tooling. You want to talk about how should I start. You want to talk about forging. You want to talk about forge welding. You want to talk about uh, what kind of what you should be looking for in a forge, or what's the difference in a different anvil, and what kind of anvils you like. Questions that he can answer. That's relative to not. Don't play. Some of you guys are sending me these just dorky questions are just like have you ever done don't just keep we're not playing ladies and gentlemen blacksmithing questions pat quinn we're trying something out it might be something ongoing you never know but it's going to be a great resource i also have slots available at the center for metal arts for my friction folder class go to the center for metal arts uh, org and sign up for the weekend class. Uh, it is worth it, worth it, worth it. If you're a seasoned veteran or a beginner, no experience necessary. If you want to leave with a working folding knife, a friction folder, I got you. I got you. Well, I got you. Totally got you. So listen to me. Go to Full Blast Podcast on Instagram and uh, submit your questions. And uh, we got a great show coming up in the next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. If you want to support the podcast, go to faderknives.com and buy some fucking merch, okay? Get yourself a t-shirt. Get yourself a hoodie. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a watch cap. You want to support this show? Get your fat ass off the couch because I got 4X, 3X, 5X, XX. I got XL, small, medium, large. Get your bony ass off the couch and get yourself some merch. Get your fat ass off the couch and get some merch. You want to support the show? You're listening to the show. I entertain you on your way to work or in the shop or whatever. Go buy some merch. Get your fat, bony ass off the couch. Get your credit card out and go to faderknives.com. Buy some fucking merch. I've said enough, ladies and gentlemen. I've said enough. I've said enough. I've said too much. All right, guys, because if you can't do it in an hour and a half, baby, it ain't worth doing. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's fine. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thank you so much. (laughs) 